Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm super excited today because we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Janina Scarlett on. So I am really glad to hear more about her story and have that opportunity to share it with our listeners. How about you? I, I'm excited too. It's kind of a nerd out moment for it us. It is. <laughs> it's sort of like, this feels like a celebrity episode exactly. to me in a big way. So I'm I'm thrilled to have her here. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm honored to be on the show. I've been listening to it for a while and I'm really, really excited to be on. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Well, maybe we can go ahead and start from the beginning. We thought we'd just, for listeners who are unfamiliar with all the wonderful work you've been doing, we thought we'd tell a little bit about your origin story and, and kind of how things came to be. So would you mind starting out with telling us a little bit about growing up and some of your experiences that shaped the way to building what you've done with superhero therapy. Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Ukraine. And when I was uh, when I was just a few months shy of my third birthday, there was a massive explosion a few cities away from us in Chernobyl. And um, everyone was affected. And the way that it affected me is that it um, pretty much shattered my immune system. So I was in and out of the hospital um, and my, my nose was, would often bleed and it wouldn't clot. So I had to go to the emergency room anytime I would get a nosebleed. And, um, the way that it affected me in the long term is that anytime the weather would change, I would get severe migraines and occasionally these would lead to seizures. So this last bit has persisted. So I'm very sensitive to weather changes. Um, and, um, much like, uh, what a lot of people go through, um, when they go through radiation therapy for cancer, for example, um, I had no appetite. I was, I was pretty, pretty sickly as a child. Um, and when I was 12 years old, my family and I were able to immigrate to the United States. Um, and so I was in seventh grade. And if you guys remember what seventh grade is like, um, that is a time that a lot of people, um, are, are changing. And of course there's a lot of bullying going on in that time. And a girl who comes from a radioactive country who doesn't speak English, doesn't know American culture, I made a very easy target. Um, so kids would ask me if I glow in the dark, if I'm radioactive, if I'm contagious. Um, and some of it was, I think, curiosity and ignorance, and some of it was bullying. And um, that entire year, I had no friends. I had a really difficult time connecting to people. And the truth is, I went through severe depression that entire year. And on most days in seventh grade, I just wanted to die. And um, as I got to high school, things started improving. I started making friends. And then when I was 16, I saw the first X-Men movie. And it changed my life because the X-Men are this group of Marvel superheroes, right? They're mutants, technically. And they all have some kind of a genetic mutation, kind of like me. And they all um, 
they they were all ostracized or bullied or segregated as a result of their differences. And Storm especially spoke to me because Storm uh, can affect the weather. She she can change the weather. And uh, a part of me always wished I had that superpower, that and, and, and helping people heal and recover. So from watching this movie, it was the first time that I realized that what happened to me didn't have to define me, that I wasn't a victim of my circumstances. I was a survivor and that the rest of my life, just like the X-Men, could be defined by me and my choices. So from there on, I went to take my first ever psychology class in high school and then I continued studying psychology and um, and then went on to work with um, specifically uh, with post-traumatic stress disorder survivors. Um, and um, I now incorporate pop culture elements into therapy to help people recover from PTSD, as well as from depression disorders, anxiety and, and related disorders. Wow, that's so incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, one thing that I've read that you've written about, and and if you don't mind me asking a little bit about you, you also came to the United States for refugee status after yes. facing ostracism in Ukraine. Would you mind talking a little bit about that and how sure. that's impacted your work too? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to find um, Jewish people from Ukraine who were not impacted by anti-Semitism. Um, you know, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, um, and my my mother had a, a difficult time getting into university for almost 13 years due to her Jewish last name. In fact, multiple universities would just send her letters saying, we don't accept your kind or, you know, apply to Israel or, um, you know, other really insulting letters. Um, and um, when Soviet Union broke up, economy fell. And when the economy fell, a lot of people lost their jobs and um, had no money and um, started turning on each other. And um, unfortunately, one of the groups that they turned toward were, were Jewish people. And so it was very unsafe. My, my family and I were subjected to bullying and violence. And um, I didn't, I thankfully um, was not uh, subjected to violence myself. But my brother and my father were uh, on separate occasions beat up. Um, and uh, our family did experience a, a really traumatic loss as well. It, it thankfully, was after we left. But it was very dangerous for us to live there. So we had applied for a refugee status. And it took over a year for us to go through all the background checks and all the physical and mental checks. And um, it's a really grueling and difficult process. And I think most people think that it's a, it's a simple one day meeting, but it takes over a year to, to go through it. And during that entire time, we couldn't tell anyone else that we were attempting to, uh, to move to United States because then we could be, uh, we could be killed for, um, you know, um, for, for leaving um, so finally we were granted the status and we were able to leave. And I'm so incredibly grateful to the United States for being able to take us in and for giving us a chance. Um, and I, I fully believe that we were able to survive because of it. And I am now an advocate for refugees and immigrants. And I, I do quite a bit of outreach through the United Nations with different organizations um, to help their refugee populations um, to understand mental health and um, assimilation process. 
Wow, that's that's incredible. I think it's it's especially wonderful to have you speaking out about these issues now, of course, be, yeah. as there's news or there's negative information and misunderstandings about refugees. And yeah. so having you tell your story, I think, is it shows the human experience that's going on. And like you said, even the background, the checks and the processes involved, I think you're right. A lot of people don't understand how thorough that is and what it would be like to spend a year wondering and not being able to tell people that you're trying to leave. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, what's going on right now is absolutely horrific. And I'm, um, you know, I, it's extremely saddening to me to see what the way that the families are being treated and, um, I'm doing everything possible on, you know, in terms of being involved with the UN and, and a number of different organizations like the IRC and um, the Nile Sisters um, in terms of reaching out to the refugees who are currently in the United States. Um, and I wish that there was more that we could do for the refugees who are currently being um, separated from their families and, and are attempting to, to find a safe asylum. Thank you for talking to us about that. Um, so it you've had these, it, it seems like your ways of coping and finding resilience, I mean, to me, it's just remarkable. I can't imagine going through all of that. And it sounds like even trying, for me, trying to cope myself with that would be a big deal. But it's your mission to share what you've learned with other people with evidence-based treatments and finding a way to engage them is just Incredible. So it seems like you mentioned pop culture connections and superhero. Clearly, uh, superhero therapy is a big part of that. Do you mind talking about some of the the projects or the books that you've done and kind of where you see that going? How far do you do you see taking this superhero therapy? Sure. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Um, I find that every culture has stories, and um, the oralist tradition has been around for thousands of years. And it's how we learn to understand our own experiences, including losses, including mental health, and how we find hope and moral code and, and how we find um, the answers in terms of how to heal. So um, I've written a number of books which, uh, which are self-help books um, to an extent, and some of them are fiction books with a self-help element. Um, and my goal is to make uh, make mental health enjoyable, fun, and easy to access. So one of my projects, my first book, uh, was Superhero Therapy. It is a part self-help book uh, that comes from an evidence-based approach, which means research-supported the readers, different kinds of skills to help them um, learn about mental health. Um, and um, the other part of the book is a fiction uh, comic book, um, so it is about um, six superheroes, all of whom are going through some kind of a mental health disorder, and they go to uh, an academy, a superhero training academy, to learn how to manage their difficulties. It was actually illustrated by Wellington Ouse, who has worked on a number of different Marvel as well as DC comic books. Um, and it, it is a book that's now being translated to multiple languages, and as part of my mission to make mental health attainable, um, I am giving away free copies of superhero therapy to individuals who cannot afford to buy them. So if anyone is struggling and would like a copy of superhero therapy, they can email me at um, superhero therapy, all one word, at gmail.com, and they can request a copy and I will mail them a free copy of superhero therapy. 
Wow, that's so great. That's Thank that's you. great that people can have access to it. I'm holding the book in my hand right now. I know the listeners can't see that, but I just I it's it's so creative and in the field, you know, we talk a lot about it's great having evidence-based treatments, but it's so key that we connect them with people and finding a way to engage with these beautiful stories and illustrations but still stick to the rigor of having evidence base. That is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, uh, my goal is to provide, you know, ethically sound interventions, but also make them fun. Um, and so, you know, a number of the other books um, uh, kind of follow a different format. I'm trying to make them relatable to different kinds of readers because I want to capture every possible reader Um, So I have Harry Potter Therapy, which is a book specifically for Harry Potter fans. Um, I have Therapy Quest, which is now out in the UK, and it comes out in the US next year. It's kind of like a part book, part game, like a choose-your-own-adventure D&D role-playing game kind of book, where you, the reader, are the leading character, and um, you are the chosen one to go on a magical quest. And every time you make a choice, your mission changes, and the rest of your Um, the rest of your journey changes and you learn mental health skills along the way. Um, And, um, and I also have the first installment of the graphic novel series that I'm working on dark agents coming out next year. That's exciting. Thank you for the overview. I was wondering if I could ask just for our listeners to give kind of like sometimes for mental health professionals that are listening like a um, a concrete example from the book. So, for example, one thing in acceptance and commitment therapy that I find personally was difficult for me to understand was was the concept of diffusion. Mm-hmm. And so in your book, you have the diffusion charm. Would you mind describing that just to give an example of how you take a complex topic like that and break it down for people to understand? Sure. So in our own lives, we typically uh, fuse with certain thoughts. We accept them as facts and might not necessarily question them. For example, most of us have a thought, um, something along the lines of, I'm not good enough, or um, if people got to know the real me, they would reject me. And we might not even realize that we're having these thoughts um, because we have them so often, they're so automatic, we're so fused with them that we allow them to control our lives. And sometimes these thoughts hold us back from having vulnerable and meaningful and important connections. So a diffusion practice would be to allow ourselves to notice this thought, to say, I'm having the thought that... I am not good enough, or I'm having a thought that if people got to know me, they wouldn't like me. By creating this kind of distance and separation, we're noticing the experience of a thought, but not necessarily our buying into the thought. So an example I give a lot to Harry Potter fans, for example, um, is that in the movies and the books in Harry Potter, there's this character, Professor Trelawney. So Professor Trelawney is um, a divination teacher, so she... She teaches uh, students how to see the future. And she tends to predict really catastrophic futures several times a day, you know, dozens, dozens of times a day, really. And so she tells people that they're going to die a terrible, terrible death. And of course, throughout the books, we find out that she was only right two times. So I use this as an example to demonstrate that um, our mind is kind of like an unreliable psychic that it makes multiple predictions, it has multiple thoughts, 
and yet uh, very rarely are these catastrophic thoughts um, coming true. So we can notice, oh, there's my mind again making these predictions or, or having these thoughts, and I don't have to buy into them. So if we can observe these thoughts, then we can create some distance between them, and they don't have to control our actions. Well, that's that. It's so powerful to hear that because I think that that in the field has just been a long-standing issue, as I was saying before, where it's like we have this information, but how do we disseminate and engage and motivate people so that they understand it, they're interested, and they it's something that would be fun to do while they're also struggling with mental health problems. So I think this is just such a contribution and exciting um, point for the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So one thing that I'm curious about, and, and I've seen a bit of this just from following your work and your books and, and following you on Twitter, um, people seem to be responding very positively to all of your work and especially your books. But um, what have you kind of heard from folks? Um, you know, have they told you about the impacts that your books have had? And what has that experience kind of been like for you to to hear about that? <laughs> Honestly, this is why I write. Um, anytime I get an, an email or, or a message from somebody who who's benefited from this, it reminds me of why I write and, and what all of this is for. Um, you know, I've had people tell me that it was the first time that they felt as if someone understood them and spoke directly to them. I've had people tell me that there was a particular character in, uh, you know, whether it's in superhero therapy, someone like Droven, for example, who really spoke to them or someone like Monica. Um, and they felt as if they now knew how to cope with their own difficulties. Um, one really strong comment I got um, that really moved me was from somebody who read um, Therapy Quest and identified with the concept of being a werewolf in terms of even if you're a werewolf, that concept does not have to define you. Uh, a werewolf is, some, is something that happens to you. Maybe it's something that happens once a month or, you know, on the full moon or whenever, but it is not who you have to be full time. And for that particular person, they were a survivor of sexual assault. And uh, for her, it meant that she did not have to identify as a sexual assault survivor all the time. That didn't define her. That was a small part of what happened to her. But who she was was so much bigger than that. And it's, it's stories like that that are so incredibly moving to me that it's a reminder of why I do what I do. And every time I start working on a book, the the hope is is that if it helps at least one person, then I will have done my job. I really like that. I, I think that's so powerful. And I think your ability to create these characters and, and provide this information through those characters that people are connecting with in such a way that's that's helping and benefiting them is it's really powerful and really inspiring, I think. Yeah, Thank you and so I... much. You know, the having you've been open about your experiences with mental health issues, including depression and, and feeling to the point where you wanted to die and, and things like that. I, does it does this take a toll on you doing this work or are there particular things that make it hard for you to hear about other people's stories? And, and if so, what how do you cope with those things? Are there certain things you do to make sure you're taking care of your own mental health while doing so much for other people? What a great question. Thank you so much for asking that because I'm sure a lot of mental health professionals are um, going through the same thing, right, in, their, in, in our own professions. 
Um, you know, for me personally, being able to write about what I've been through has made it easier uh, for me to experience what I'm going through and has made it more acceptable. So it allowed me to reduce my own self-stigma and my own shame about these experiences. And um, being an empath, um, an empath is somebody who can empathically understand another person's emotional experience. Um, being an empath, of course, it's difficult for me when I am around somebody else who's also a trauma survivor. And at the same time, it's also a really moving experience because in that moment, I feel as if we're connected because I can feel their pain. And even if our experiences are not exactly the same, I can understand what they're going through. And for me, it's really powerful to be in the moment with another individual it's an honor to be in that moment because it's a really vulnerable moment for both of us. Um, and in that moment, I practice both compassion for myself and compassion for the other person because I think that having compassion for others is not enough. We, we also have to be able to practice self-compassion and, and build our own resilience. And in, in the moment of vulnerability, in a moment of difficulty, um, if we can both practice that, I think that's where healing happens. So I often guide my clients through a self-compassion practice as I'm practicing it too, um, so that we can both be in that moment together. We can both heal together. We can both process together and we can both find a way of healing together. It, that deep connection seems like part of the gift of, of therapy, it, that interpersonal connection that just meets those basic needs. And to hear you talk about how you feel like you benefit and grow from that too, I think is important because it can sometimes people can ask like, how can you focus on suicide prevention or whatever it is? And doesn't that bring you down? But what you're saying captures the other side of it, which is this deeply moving experience of being a human who is sharing things with other people and that you're both working on getting through this life together. And so it's nice to hear you describe it that way, because I have a hard time explaining that myself, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that we're, we're all in it together. And that's really how healing happens. Uh, Kristen Neff, who's a self-compassion researcher, said it best. She said, it's not that misery loves company. It's that company is the antidote for misery. And I think that's such a powerful quote because it's true. When we're able to connect to another being, our own healing begins. And I think that strongest therapists are ones that can go into that well of emotions that the client brings in and, and be in that depth with their client and hold that safe space for their client. Because in the midst of that darkness, if the client can feel safe, then they can find their own light. Oh, that's incredible. Very inspiring. Um, and I think that you you mentioned you've been kind of traveling and, and, and bringing this to people all over the place. So doing the part of kind of developing it and then sharing it with people. How's that been just traveling all over the place and talking to different people in different areas about it? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I, you know, going to a different country, I never know what the reception will be like. Um, because I'm speaking to people who may not understand my language, who may have a different culture. And so there's always hesitation in terms of how will this be received? 
and it's been received so positively and so warmly. And after each session, um, I my favorite part is when I get to talk to the providers about their stories, because a part of learning this technique is um, is allowing ourselves to get vulnerable, allowing ourselves to go to the depth of what makes us human. And my favorite part of teaching these workshops for mental health providers is right after when the providers are able to um, to let me know what it was like for them and and share their own stories. Um, there was a person that came to one of the workshops that I led in Italy who said that she was not a mental health provider, registered for the workshop, and drove from uh, several cities away to meet me because she really identified with Harry Potter, and Harry Potter therapy really helped her heal. She said that for Harry, his mom was um, someone who is his source of protection from the beyond, and she said that for her, her mom was also a source of love and protection from the beyond. And she wanted to meet me just to tell me that. And it's that moment. It's those stories. It's being able to understand what people have been through, that we're all human. We're all learning together. We're all suffering together. And most importantly, we're all healing together. That is the most profound part for me. And what I'm then finding out are ways that these therapists who attended my workshop are able to utilize these techniques in their own therapy in their own with their own patients and then how these effects spread. And so my goal as a very ambitious Slytherin that I am is mm-hmm. to heal the world with compassion, to to allow people to learn a variety of different skills to help themselves and help other people. Well, it's it's I think it's so hopeful to hear this because I think sometimes when there's a lot of tragedy and negative news in the world, and you've certainly been through a number of your own personal hardships, and yet to have someone who has the optimism and the strength and the vision to see how we can all get through this together, I think that in and of itself is is incredibly inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing with us. We promised that we wouldn't take too much of your time, but is there anything else we should that you would like our listeners to know? Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am so moved and so inspired to be on this podcast. And um, for everyone listening, I just wanted to remind all of you that you matter, that you are loved, and that your story makes a big difference, that somebody out there can really benefit from from hearing from you, from talking to you, that somebody out there is probably alive because of you. And so I just wanted to leave you with that message that you matter and you're loved. Well, thank you so much. I can't say how inspiring your work is uh, is to us and, and this pro- and our podcast and project itself. So just thank you so much for, for your, uh, taking the time to come on and, and chat with us a little bit and, uh, and share your story with our listeners. We'll make sure that we link to to your website and to your books and our show notes, but where can people find you on Twitter or elsewhere if they, if they want to find out more about superhero therapy and the great work you're doing? Sure. Um, so my Twitter handle is uh, at shadow quill, quill like the feather. And I can be found under superhero therapy on uh, pretty much all social media platforms. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Scarlett, for your time. We're really grateful for all that you're doing and for taking time to talk to us. Thank you so much again for having me. It's truly an honor.
Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.